Welcome to the JP Morgan Weekender. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, Joe. Happy Friday, Bruce. Happy yep. Groundhog's Day. Happy Groundhog's Day. Well, as uh, Chair Powell said, this is a good economy, and yeah, uh, we had, so. and they had, we had a week in which we had, I think, two meaningful surprises: one from the Fed, uh, and one from the job market, and they move in the same direction broadly. Um, so let's uh, start to unpack that. Um, I'll let you have the first word. So, what's what are you feeling today? At you know, Friday afternoon after having digested all the news for this week. Um, well, I, I guess kind of confirmation of the of the views that we've been pushing, and I think that we were we've been relatively strident in the idea that we're going to see resilience here in the near term, and that. The, while we're seeing progress on disinflation, and that was maybe running a little bit ahead of uh, what our expectations were, um, it still is elevated and is going to keep central banks cautious. And um, I think what you're hearing from central banks is they're still going to be cautious. They are going to be cutting. I think that is something that was also a part of our forecast, second half of the year cuts, but not not earlier than that. And the markets kept fighting that view, fighting, fighting, fighting for the last eight weeks. And it's like, no matter how much, I mean, they didn't have to listen to us. You could just listen to central banks rhetoric and, and see that they were not quite there yet. And if there was any hope of March being on the table, that really got dashed uh, with, with Powell's comments uh, this week. The one other aspect that I think is maybe um, uh, adds a little bit of a wrinkle to this is that while inflation is maybe coming off a little bit more than what we had expected, I think that's offset, maybe even more than offset by the strength of the recovery, right? The idea uh, we've kind of done a 180 from people worrying about uh, recession in the fourth quarter of last year to now a sense of no landing uh, in, in the U.S. economy. And, and this well, let me, growth, let me stop think, you changes there. the character a little bit. Because although we've been pushing resiliency, we've also been pushing a moderation uh, in both U.S. and global growth as we go into the first uh, half of the year. And I guess what we have that's interesting this week is um, a very strong signal from the U.S. that um, at least labor demand looks to be accelerating. It's not just the January report, but it's the revisions in terms of the profile. And I'd also say the breadth that we're seeing, I think, to me, one of the more interesting parts of the payroll report is how strong private services are and how much they're picking up uh, in areas that were soft before, uh, even mm -hmm. as the, some of the sources that have been more consistent in delivering um, growth, education, healthcare, and obviously uh, gov are maintaining in place. But you have that acceleration. And then perhaps with less um, strength of conviction, I think there's some more positive signals coming out of manufacturing as we go through uh, the last number of weeks as well. So the, I guess the question here is, okay, we're not going to fight with people about recession here or, or real weakness, um, either in the labor market or in GDP terms, but are we really here paid to be starting to think about acceleration, uh, both in the US and more broadly? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the that that debate between soft landing and no landing is going to probably start to dominate a little bit. Um, 
I mean, we still have, I think you and I still have this sense of kind of boiling the frog and, and that pressures are going to build and, you know, recession risks are going to build as we get to the second half next year, that the odds of this that year. are going down. But there was an element to boil the frog, which is the no landing, which is that things might be overheating a little bit. I don't think we're, we're not there yet and we shouldn't get carried away with, uh, you know, the data flow that we've gotten. But yes, U.S. payroll is strong. And then the breadth, you talk about the breadth of the, of the payroll report within the U.S., but the breadth of the manufacturing PMI report that we got this week, I think also is encouraging and, and frankly, a little, little bit chagrined because I had, you know, we had just put out this, this manufacturing note that, um, you know, noted the lift in the second half, but also was a bit cautious looking to the first half of this year in the sense that um, inventories looked a little rich um, and that might be a bit of a headwind. And we had that weak December PMI report. Well, the January PMI report was was uh, a good reversal of that. I don't want to get carried away with that. The levels are still very low. And if you were just dropped on this planet, the only thing you saw were the level of the PMIs, you would say, boy, that's pretty grim. But the, the pickup is encouraging. It's broad-based across countries. It's broad-based across output, new orders, and inventories going down. So I think um, it, it makes me feel a little bit better about the manufacturing uh, sector uh, and gives you that sense of, of breadth in the expansion. Uh, I think you're being a little too harsh by saying the levels are pretty grim. The levels are pointing to flat to slightly positive growth, which, you know, when you say pretty grim No, they're to pointing me, to like, flat growth, Bruce, and zero yeah, but, is grim. <laughs> I, I would care. No, I don't think zero, zero is, grim. is grim. I don't think zero manufacturing is grim. Your session right. dynamics have usually had much weaker levels. We had much weaker levels three or four months ago. I think it's soft, but I wouldn't call it you know, grim. Well, in that, okay. In that I, mean, sense. I, I guess I would point to contraction as uh, I would characterize contraction as ugly and zero as grim, but let's not get carried away. That It sounds like we're on the same page. It's just, we have different words. <laughs> okay. But I kind of want to um, come at this, you know, momentum story a little bit uh, from the perspective of demand supply balance. The, to me, one of the interesting features of the US data. It's a, it's obviously not the same in the Euro area. The Euro area today, uh, this week we got in a, a labor market report, the unemployment rate is still at cycle low, even though the economy hasn't grown. But um, at the Euro same time- just more of a puzzle than we even thought, particularly the, the, the GDP deflator, the nominal GDP is stronger than the US. I mean, that's a bit crazy. Well, well that's another topic, but I mean, Europe yeah. in some basic sense is weak demand, weak supply, and the US is some basic sense strong demand, but also strong supply. You can see yeah. the productivity report today, uh, this week. Uh, you can see the um, uh, the fact that we've had now with the revisions, a pretty strong run of payroll growth for the last uh, six months. Uh, and the unemployment rate has basically been flat. So as much as we uh, have to, um, you know, start thinking about is the economy strong and possibly putting heat on the um, you know, utilization rate, we just haven't seen the, any more tightening there, at least not in the measured unemployment rate. So it creates an interesting angle for the Fed. I thought one of the interesting things about Powell's press conference is he was very quick to dismiss the strong run of productivity growth, um, as we've been um, saying ourselves, that uh, some of that is clearly the acceleration to a 3% plus GDP profile. And he, he kind of was making that point as well. But um, there is a question here about whether we're getting better supply side performance. I would just note that it does feel 
in the data that there's a softening in the labor force growth that was also a positive uh, last year. Uh, part rates down, you know, for the second straight month, and you can see that that beginning to cool. So I think there's a bit, you know, I think there's a big issue here around uh, how strong is demand, um, and part of that not only feeds the inflation outlook directly, but it also feeds the question from the Fed's point of view of whether policy is restrictive. Um, and then there's an issue of what the supply-demand balance is doing. And I would say, certainly so far as we turn into the new year, the supply-demand balance is still looking positive from the point of view of supply keeping up with uh, uh, demand. In Europe, it's the opposite. You're not getting any demand. And you're not getting yeah. any any supply. So It's a little uh, surprising. The productivity growth is is surprising not just in the magnitude but the fact that you're you're getting it even at all right if i would have told you at the start of last year that you're going to have a, a big service sector surge and the manufacturing sector is going to really stagnate um yeah that would have been a recipe for just a, the composition bias alone to give you some pretty weak uh productivity outturns and frankly that was a part of our story right of of the slowing in productivity growth as you get that normalization in services yeah and that just didn't right. happen right so i, mean, I think you have two things having happened which which i still think the balance has been a surprise but one as you say you had the composition of growth towards lower productivity sector sectors the other thing is you had stronger growth and when you get stronger growth you tend to get stronger productivity right. yeah. but the ba yeah. but the balance of those should not have given us uh, a three percent GDP with the two seven productivity gain, yeah. so that that's been as you say, it's been a, a surprise. And the question is, do you want to uh, extrapolate it or not? And I think what what Powell is saying, and I think rightfully so, because I'd feel the same, is I'd like to see some more data on that. I'm not going to run yeah. with that certainly at this point in time. But keep in mind just what it is. Two seven compares with a effectively a a a twenty year trend before the uh, pandemic of one four. So that's a mm -hmm. big, it's a big, you know, well, run. it's also kind of, you know, the, the history rhymes here a little bit, right? Like we've all been talking about and looking at the episodes of soft landings and the one that always pops up as the real kind of gold standard for the best soft landing was the mid nineties. And sure enough, that was one of those uh, uh, kind of cycles where you had a big productivity lift and, you know, the maestro kind of said, I'm going to buy into this and I'm going to believe this, uh, this productivity story is going to continue and we can uh, let this run a little bit. Um, you know, the story kind of feels a little similar here, even though I think the backdrop is very different. Yeah, no, and I think there's a there's a chance here. You know, we could, as you say, we could be in a situation where the economy is running too hot and is is challenging the Fed's story that we have a materially tight monetary policy stance. But we could be bailed out and just find that yeah, well, uh, real neutral rates are a lot higher. But part of that's because potential growth is just growing a lot faster, and that kind of bails you out. I mean, it's a there's I think there's three moving parts to this. One is what's going on in tracking the inflation news, the other one's going on and what's tr tracking how financial conditions are interacting with growth. And then the third is what's happening to the supply side versus demand. And right now, you know, the inflation news has been good, although we should say something about that because I think at the very front end of the data, what we saw in the ECB, in the in the HICP this week from the Euro area, some of the indicators uh, from surveys, it's it's kind of giving us more reinforcement for the idea that the goods price deflation that we've seen in the US and more moderately globally is starting to fade here. So that part of the story I feel pretty good about. And it it certainly gets more resonance if the 
comments you made before about manufacturing maybe doing a little better here is also uh, playing itself out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I so I think on the inflation side, definitely I get the idea of of Powell wanting to to see a little bit more. In fact, he he explicitly laid out the inflation story that we've been laying out, which is you know goods at minus three isn't going to last. So he's kind of thinking flat, and that's a that's a pretty big add to the to the core numbers. And then shelter is going to do what shelter does, and then the wild card is what happens to the rest. I mean, he he laid it out that way. Um, the one thing that kind of is interesting is you said he wants to wait to see, and he's kind of uh, maybe skeptical of the productivity lift. Um, I, I will say there was this this in, this what is it this uh, asymmetry that he he put up that he seems to be less sensitive to the strong growth numbers and more sensitive to a decline. I mean. I, that I guess would have surprised us a little bit who are more worried about the consequences of a no landing scenario where things feel like they're overheating. This he didn't he has not kind of really taken on board that risk of of overheating from a no landing, right? At least he's well, not on in any way of that. And that that's I think, I think there, an interesting wrinkle. I think there's two things here. First point is that, you know, if we had gone through the last year with a three percent GDP number. And the unemployment rate was moving down to three three. They'd be thinking very differently about the world right now. Again, that supply side story has basically allowed them to um, be able to kind of not pay too much attention to the uh, strength of the economy and strength of demand to date. And we'll see where mm -hmm. that takes us. The second thing is that I think, you know, they're still believing five and a half percent is restrictive and materially restrictive. So obviously, yeah. if your starting point is that your policy stance is restrictive. Your bias is asymmetric as you're trying to trade off growth and inflation risks. You're more worried about downside surprises than upside. Yeah. But and that's, then you that's, can add to that, you can add to that two important things, which is not only is inflation coming down in that backdrop, but also uh, wages are coming down. And this week's ECI actually was another thing that kind of added uh, support for the idea of this kind of supply side uh, revival. I think the wage no, the wage story is complicated um, because I think you are seeing wage inflation come down. How much it's coming down is is messy because I think when you look at the the data from the ECI, which came down again in the fourth quarter, and then you see that as you end the fourth quarter into the beginning of the first quarter, you're, and I'm discounting by the way the six tenths on January wages. Yeah, but there's yeah, a lifting probably. going on in average hourly earnings. I'll take a bet that when we see the Atlanta Fed tracker, it's it has been flattening out going to continue at least to have that signal. So I think it's it it's it's clear that wage inflation has come off its high. I think 4% is a key level if you can break materially, especially yeah, if you I have agree. a decent decent view on on productivity. I'm not convinced in my own reading whether we're breaking through 4% or not. I think we're going to have to see more data. I agree the ECI was a constructive uh, message this week, but uh, you know it's another one of these I think we want to wait and see some more. Yeah. I I think Powell wants to wait and see some more uh, as well. Uh, let me yeah. flip gears here a little bit. Um, you know, this has been on the on the Bruce, growth I'm side. Sorry. Can I just add one more um, one more yeah. kind of asymmetry that I think is important on the Fed before we move away? Because I think there are two key asymmetries. One was this kind of treatment of of the growth backdrop in the labor markets being more spooked, but to the downside than and tolerating more upside. But the other thing that that Powell uh, emphasized was this. Um, you know the, the the consequential nature of the of a, of a rate cut right and the idea that they are thinking 
that once they start here, that that's a, that that's a signal, and therefore that leads to an asymmetry of kind of how they're going to move, and they don't want to make a mistake. They've talked about that in the past. Um, you kind of have some views out there that thinks, oh, well, they can start, wait a little bit, and then go again and wait a little bit. That that all sounds good on paper, but I think that's something that they wouldn't be comfortable with, right? They have a real kind of um, uh, reversal version uh, yeah. that. That I think uh, you know will will temper the degree to which um, you know they they get going here, which is why we still think um, you know we had June, maybe May could be reasonable here, but uh, definitely not March, which is completely out of the water now. Yep, no, I think that's that's reasonable. Um, but let's just before we finish, is there something in the non-U.S. space on the I mean on the macro sort of influences beyond what we've already talked about? We talked about. Um, the manufacturing sector in terms of the top-down indicators, but is something catching your eye? I mean, that we should be, you know, kind of more mindful of. The U.S. isn't by any means the only game in town here. Yeah, I mean, it's still within the good sector, but it's a bit more granular. I mean, we we always look to Asia as kind of the leading edge of that. And I again, as I said, a little chagrin because I think this this note that we put out had a bit more of a cautious tone, but. A lot of the news this week is is looking a bit better. I I've been worried. That but by the way, Joe, I, I, this is the second time you said that. If you wrote that note today, you'd write it differently. Just uh, not uh, not a. I don't I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe I have to go back. I mean, I guess maybe it's not as maybe I didn't write it as as cautious as I was feeling. So I I don't want to get too off track here. Let me just say this. Um, you know, I think you had a positive. PMI report. We already we already talked about it. constructive. I do think the levels are still very low. So I, I'm not, you know, we're, we're not out of the woods on that. Uh, but the other somewhere thing between that, somewhere between ugly and grim, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Which shouldn't make anyone feel good. Uh, <laughs> uh, sounds okay. like how uh, we feel like when we wake up in the morning, right? <laughs> no, speak for yourself. Okay, okay. But uh, the other thing that's happening is the. Um, is the tech sector, which is something that I had felt like maybe rolling over because you had some, um, so I don't want to say ugly again, but some some bad uh, readings from Taiwan. Um, but no sooner had those come out, but the, the Korean numbers are looking better. Japan tech numbers were coming out. And I think the broad message on tech is one of uh, continued strength, although with a real divergence between what's being shipped out to the to the major develops versus China. And China, of course, is a is a is still I characterize as fragile uh, element in the outlook, although I'm less worried about the spillovers of a of a weak China than I think maybe we we may have used to be be, uh, concerned Mm -hmm. about that. So that's the other aspect that's on my mind outside the U.S. So let me make two brief points and then we can maybe close it up. I mean, one is with Lagarde having focused on the wage uh, developments in the uh, euro area economy. I think the the high frequency reading, which is pretty much snippets, but it's but it's important snippets have been showing firmness and then in the settlements and some of the negotiated demands that have come through at the start of the year. So that does suggest it's not going to be a quick process in getting um, that down. And for what it's worth, we haven't seen the service price monthly uh, reading from the ECB um, core, but it does feel like that's firming alongside goods prices in, in the euro area. And the second point I would just make is that um, Japanese consumers are ending the year on a pretty, ending last year on a pretty weak note. Now it looks like going to have a third consecutive quarter of negative consumption. 
And I think as we think about the BOJ, there's there's been good news on inflation. Um, there's some at least perspective news that the wage rounds are going to come in good. But I think both from an economic as well as from a political economy point of view, they're going to have to see tangible evidence that not only do you have wages going up, but consumers coming back before they're going to be ready to yeah, hike. I mean, so, you could you if you look at our nowcasters and the way the data flow was coming in, and I was pushing our Japan team on this, you know, that um, the data just looked like they were softening and it looked like you could track a negative print on the fourth quarter, which would be two back-to-back -back negative prints on GDP. And then you got all this bad data at the end of the year. And then the inflation news came in a little bit softer. And I, I just feel like, um, you know, I, I, I feel like that confidence that the BOJ had that they were going to be able to exit NERP. Um, we still have that call. I think we could get there. Our team is still reasonably confident that the wage data are going to be sufficient. To... You mean by mid-year? Their, their call is for mid-year, not yeah, earlier. Yeah, sorry, by mid-year. Yep. And, um, uh, you know, they, they're still holding on to that. But I think even they are also acknowledging that the the risks are, are tilting just a, a little bit against that. Yeah, I think we need to see something turn there and turn yeah. tangibly, not not just in confidence, not just in wages. It actually has to hit spending. Yeah. So I think we'll we'll leave it there. Um, interesting week, certainly. Um, and uh, hope we can continue this conversation with everyone next week on the JP Morgan Weekender. Thank you.